Our scripture today begins with Philippians 2, beginning with verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Hello, Christ Church and all of our friends joining us today. If you're on the website, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a prayer request or a praise report. If you're with us on Facebook, say hello to other friends in the chat. Let us know that you are here. And of course, you can always follow along with my outline on the website or the Christ Church app. How are you doing today? Wow, the heat has arrived. I hope you're doing okay. You know, I do enjoy the variety of weather we get in this part of the country. The good news is, if you, didn't, if you don't enjoy this part of it, in not too long, things are going to change. I pray God will give you the grace and strength you need for whatever you're facing in this season of your life. Today I'm continuing my new series on the Apostles' Creed titled, I believe. You know, in this time of skepticism and rejection of objective reality, truth, morality, human nature, reason, science, many people don't know what to believe. We live in a time when many new voices and perspectives, philosophies, ideologies are competing with one another. It seems to me now is a good time to look back into our Christian faith heritage. Now is a good time to look deep into our Christian faith story and see what kind of framework it provides us as we try to navigate these postmodern times. Remember the word creed comes from the Latin word credo, which means I believe. You know, after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples of Jesus, they went forth proclaiming the good news that Jesus was the long-awaited and promised Messiah whom God had sent into the world. They had experienced three years of His ministry, had heard His teaching, and witnessed many signs and wonders that accompanied His life. At one point, Jesus, remember, asked them, Who do people say that I am? They answered, well, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. You know, even back then, when he walked on this earth, people were confused as to his true identity. Well, remember, then Jesus asked them in Matthew 16, 15, but what about you? Who do you say I am? And there you have it. That is the question of the ages. Who do you say I am? It's the question each of us face. We can't get away with quoting the opinions of others. 
We have to make up our own mind. Who do you say that I am? As we've said, the earliest form of what became the Apostles' Creed was a series of questions used in the church originally to help new believers prepare themselves for baptism. They were asked to affirm their beliefs. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord? Do you believe Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead? For 2,000 years, Christ followers have affirmed their faith in Jesus with these words from the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. With this phrase, we enter the second major section of the Creed. We've said the Apostles' Creed is Trinitarian, with one section devoted to the Father, a section devoted to the Son, and a final section to the Holy Spirit. Of the 105 words in the Creed, 73 occur in the section relating to Jesus Christ. That tells us something important, and it's this. The Christian faith is all about Jesus. He is the heart and core, the touchstone of all that we believe. You can be mistaken on some secondary issues and still be a Christian, but if you are wrong about Jesus, you are wrong in the worst possible place. Our faith in Jesus must be more than just an emotional experience of having Jesus in my heart. Our faith must rest on the revealed truth about Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. If we take this phrase of the Creed and examine it, we see that it contains four statements. I believe in Jesus. I believe He is the Christ. I believe He is God's only Son. I believe He is the Lord. Each one of these statements deserves our attention. Who is Jesus Christ? First of all, He is the Savior. Type Savior in the chat. The name Jesus means God saves. Scholars tell us Jesus was a very common name among Jews in the first century. The name itself is the Greek version of the Old Testament name Joshua. It speaks of the fact that God has entered the human race on a rescue mission from heaven. Remember what the angel said to Joseph in Matthew 1.21. You are to give him the name, what? Jesus. Because he will, what? Save his people from their sins. When we say that we believe in Jesus, we mean that he was fully human and yet fully divine. A human like us, and yet one who possessed the very attributes of God Himself. He was the God-man, and He came to save us from our sin. Second, He is the Christ. Now let's dispel one idea pretty quickly. Christ is not Jesus' last name. He didn't grow up in the Christ family. Christ is not a family name, it's a title. To be precise, we should call Him Jesus the Christ. You know, when you see President Biden on TV, you know that President is not his first name, it's his title. 
the name of the office that he holds. In the same way, the term Christ describes one of Jesus' divinely appointed titles. The word Christ comes from a Greek word that itself comes from a Hebrew word that means anointed one. We often translate it as Messiah. In the Old Testament, remember, prophets, priests, and kings were anointed when they began formally their service for God. The anointing was a sign that God had called them to their position. So to call Jesus the Christ means that He is the one who God promised to send, to deliver Israel, and to bring salvation to the world. At Christmas, when we sing, Come thou long-expected Jesus, we're referring to this truth, a river of history connected from Genesis to Revelation, flows spanning thousands of years and hundreds of generations. Those who believe the Bible have long argued that though it contains 66 books written by many different people over 1,500 years, it has one overarching message. God planned to bring salvation to the world through Jesus Christ. Type salvation in the chat. One way or another, everything in the scripture fits around this great overarching theme. Consider this way to look at the scriptures concerning Jesus. The Old Testament, anticipation. The Gospels, incarnation. The Book of Acts, proclamation. The Epistles, explanation. The Book of Revelation, consummation. Here's another way to look at the Scripture in light of Jesus. The Old Testament says, He is coming. The Gospels say, He is here. The book of Acts says, He has come. The Epistles say, He is Lord. And Revelation says, He is coming again. The Scriptures point us to Jesus. The Old Testament contains many promises of His coming. He will be the seed of the woman, Genesis 3.15. He'll be a descendant of Abraham, Genesis 12.2. He'll be a descendant of Isaac, Genesis 22.18. He'll be a descendant of Jacob, Genesis 28.14. He will come from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10. He'll be a descendant of David, 2 Samuel 7.11. He'll be born of a virgin, Isaiah 7.14. He will be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. Who would fulfill all of these qualifications? Many people might fit the first few, but only one person in history fulfills them all, Jesus Christ. To say that Jesus is the Christ means that He is the one sent from God to bring God to us and to bring us to God. Who is Jesus Christ? He is God's only Son. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. That little word, only, tells us something crucial about our Lord. Jesus has a unique, one-of-a-kind relationship with God the Father. There can never be another of the same kind. Because the Son 
shares the same nature as the Father, Jesus could say in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. His Jewish hearers understood him to be claiming equality with God. For some, this was astonishing. For others, it was blasphemy. To call Jesus God's only Son means that He shares the same essential nature as the Father. From this truth comes the doctrine of the Trinity, one God eternally existing in three divine persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One church father explained the relationship between the Father and the Son in this way. As the spring is not the stream, and the stream is not the spring, yet the same water flows through both. Even so, the Father is not the Son, and the Son is not the Father, but they share the same divine nature. Many people today, including some theologians, fight against this truth. They want a Christ who is somehow divine, but not truly God. They want a Jesus who is a good role model, but they do not want Him as their God. A good man? Yes. The Son of God from heaven? Absolutely not. And why? Because then we'd have to listen to Him. But that view is not possible if we take the Scripture seriously. C.S. Lewis explains our options in his book, Mere Christianity, like this. He writes, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. C.S. Lewis says, this is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. He writes, either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, he said. You can spit at him or kill him as a demon, he said. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. Lewis says he has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. He is God's only Son. The final title given to Jesus relates to you and me. The, the, the Apostles' Creed says, He is our Lord. Post Lord in the chat. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. The Greek word for Lord is kurios. This word occurs many times in the New Testament and was common throughout the Roman Empire. Its basic meaning is absolute ruler. To call Jesus Lord means that He is sovereign over the entire universe, and He has the right of sovereign rule over you and me. Remember Romans 10.9 says, If you confess with your mouth, what? 
Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice how simple that phrase is. Jesus is Lord. The problem was that for the Romans, Caesar was Lord. To rule their vast empire, the Romans left people alone to practice their various religions as much as possible. All they required was that you pay taxes and declare Caesar is Lord. That's all. Three simple words. Say Caesar is Lord and go on about your business. Affirm that Caesar was sovereign and then follow whatever religion that suited you. And for many in the empire, that was no big burden. But Christians steadfastly refused to say, Caesar is Lord. How could they say, Caesar is Lord, when their faith taught them that Jesus is Lord? They could not and would not deny Christ. And that's why during the days of persecutions, Christians were murdered by the thousands. To declare Jesus Christ is Lord and there is no other was a direct attack on Caesar worship and the Roman state and thus punishable by death. That's why the Lordship of Jesus Christ matters so much. For you and I to call Him Lord means that we are surrendering our lives to Him, that we intend to follow Him gladly wherever He leads and whatever it costs. He is our Master. He is our Lord. And when the state or the culture is at odds with Jesus and His kingdom, we too must refuse to bow. That's why I'm always trying to stick close to Jesus. The Apostle Paul, in our text today describing the results of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to the Christians at Philippi, Jesus coming to the earth in the form of a servant who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, goes on to describe what God did after the resurrection in Philippians 2, beginning with verse 10. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is what? Above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because of his resurrection, those first Christians boldly declared, Jesus is Lord. That was their belief. It was reflected in the Apostles' Creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. This is the Jesus of the Scriptures. This is the one we worship today as Savior and Lord. This is the one true Christ of the Christian faith. There is no one like Him, for He alone is God incarnate. His words have divine authority because they are the words of Almighty God. One day, the entire universe will bow down and worship Him. We have no other Savior. We follow no other Lord. The martyrs died because they would not worship anyone else. We must not exchange our Lord Jesus for anyone or anything else. 
He alone is Lord. Oh, that our hearts would sing his praise. God, hasten the day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, glorious Lord, we thank you again today for the amazing revelation of yourself that comes to us in your Son, Jesus. After the resurrection, the disciples began to preach and to teach about what they had seen, heard, and experienced with Jesus. You poured out your Holy Spirit upon them, and in boldness and power, they shared the good news. And now we have the scriptures that captured their witness and their power and their teaching. Lord, continue to stir our hearts as we study and boldly declare and live out the core truths of our faith. In Jesus' name we've prayed and everyone said, Amen, Amen. As a time of response, I invite you now to share with me the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Hey, I hope the message spoke to you today. Remember, Jesus Christ has come to be your Savior and Lord. If you'd like to visit more about the message or how you can have new life with God through faith in Jesus Christ, please contact me. If you have joined us today and have prayer requests or, or praise reports, send them to us. We want to hear from you. Use the app, go to the website. You know, giving back is one of the most tangible ways to thank God for His goodness as well. You can use text to give. You can use the app, go to the website, mail in contributions. And thank you. Thank you so much for your generosity. Be sure to take advantage of our discipleship opportunities. Find all the information you need on our website, cumctulsa.com. God bless you today. Remember, you have a Savior. He is Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. That is good news, friend. Look forward to these upcoming opportunities. For now, how can you show others that Jesus Christ is the Savior and the Lord of your life? So I'm thinking of putting together a hide-and-seek tournament. Okay, okay. The only problem is good players are hard to find. <laughs> is gardening your game? The Landscape Committee is working on the beds surrounding the church on July 10th after the men's breakfast. We could use your help. Contact Jim Stilwell and let him know you'll be there. We have upcoming mission opportunities for Water's Edge and Youth Group. 
Parents, watch your email or contact Tanya or Ethan for more information. On Sunday, June 27th, we'd like you to take a hike. The Fellowship Board will like to invite you to hike with us at Turkey Mountain at 2 p.m. And if you're a talker but not a walker, bring your chairs and visit with us instead. You can find all this information on our website, cumctulsa.com.